This is Kate Beckinsale. You're listening to Beckinsale. For 3,000 years, men and armies fought over this bacon cave, not knowing what evil lay beneath it. Mm. And for 3,000 years, we, the podcasters, the descendants of Pharaoh's sacred bodyguards, kept watch. Know this, the creature is the bringer of death. He will never eat, he will never sleep, and he will never stop. So we're guarding a he? Sure. I didn't know That's that. important. I didn't sign on for that. <laughs> po- podcasting is not even 20 years old. <laughs> <laughs> it's 3,000 years old. We oh, were the first ones. We did it back in vaudeville times. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, welcome to Make It, Tom, Joel. I'm Kent. And I'm Zach. We'd like to thank you for listening to our last episode, our scary stories to tell in the dark sequel. Ooh, so scary. <laughs> sequel. Because we did two of them. And yeah. I saw a lot of good stories in there. Thank you for participating. Thank you for playing along. Uh, Steve Hansen said, I can't believe you're telling people not to shop at Deseret Industries. <laughs> and I Sorry. thought we were friends making sale. <laughs> yeah, we are. Uh, Scott Sprague says, I used to think about the Wendigo story every time I'd go camping as a kid. It terrified me. If only I had known that it was then that I carried you was really the one behind it all. I wouldn't have been scared at all. Kent's in so much trouble. <laughs> so yes. much. And then uh, very appropriately, Shane Hyatt just says, I don't recommend listening to this one while driving home from work alone at 3 a.m. Ooh, Good episode. Okay. That's, That's the funny thing then. about it. Because even though they're children's stories in the right setting. Oui. Yeah. We, and with the right background music as well. Which you did. Good job. Yeah. On that. And I will listen at some point. Oh, you. I mean, ah. you were there. So I, you're I, fine. I did Zach. live it. Yeah. But I will go back and listen probably. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yes. But that's not what we're talking about today. What are we talking about today, Zach? <laughs> that, Is was that something you throw? Take that toilet paper off your mouth. We're talking about mummies today. Mummies. Are you my mummy? Mummy. Mummy. Uh, Yes, we are doing our Monster of the Season episode this week. Uh, We do these uh, almost every season. Except for maybe the first one. I think so. We've done zombies and witches and vampires and werewolves. Oh, my. Now, listen. Aliens. Listener listener Emeritus Spencer told us years ago. I think it's every year he reminds us, hey, mummies are feeling pretty sad. What about mummies? Because we've done, like you said, everything else. But we always ignore mummies. Why? Because (laughs) you're about to find out. (laughs) (laughs) True story. Because let's just ask the question here. Guys, are mummies scary? Because to me, personally, mummies are the... (laughs) To me. (laughs) Are the less... the formal zombie, shall we say? They're yeah, all upper class up. zombies. Yeah, yeah, but they're less interesting. They're not as they're they're slower moving. Usually, they're not as they're not as bitey. So you prefer a blue collar unwrapped mummy? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> okay, got it. One that will just eat brains. But I mean, yeah. generally speaking, mummies are side characters in a lot of horror movies. Like they'll they'll be in Hotel Transylvania, but it's like mm-hmm. you know, it's a side character, or they'll be Monster Squad as a side character, or even in movies called the Mummy, they're side characters. Sometimes. Because a lot of the, the mummy movies, it's about exploration. It's about an adventure, essentially. And they're not really directly scary movies, I would say. Well, because mummies are not, to me, directly scary. Yeah. They've never really feared a mummy. But why not? Because a slow-moving zombie is scary. Why would something that is essentially... Because this, after doing this research, I'm going to kind of view them as a very slow-moving Terminator that cannot be stopped. Well, um, here's the thing. Unless you have fire. I think that the folklore of mummies, not scary to me, but actual mummies doing the research for this episode, yeah. I got creeped out multiple did times. Did you? I did. By the appearance or how they made them? They do have a lot of pictures on Wikipedia, the source of all knowledge and truth. Yeah. And I, as I got deeper in the research and cursed my curiosity, looked up a lot of pictures of a lot of mummies 
and it's it's messed up. Yeah, and I think the research on this show was so much different than normally, and you're gonna kind of sense that from this show. Whereas we talk about people seeing aliens, right? Reports of seeing aliens, and it's like, is it true? We don't know. Yeah. But we're going to talk about uh, people that Facts. have died. And, you know, and there's a lot of rumors and stuff like that, but people that have died after breaking mummy curses. Yes. So, Zach, uh, first of all, you're feeling some mummies. Very neutral to, to anti. You would, would you say beige wrapping? Very, feelings? very beige. Yes. Yeah. Not, uh, not a huge fan. In my, in my mind, oh, there are only two mummy movies that exist. Go on. 1999's Brendan Fraser. Hello. Okay. That's what I wonder what the other one is. 2002. Brendan Fraser. 2001. <laughs> yeah. No. The Mummy no. Returns. Disney, the Disney Channel original movie. Thank you very much. Under wraps. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's it. That's like that's my experience with mummies. There's a whole list of movies. When you guys, you know, we're talking about the the larger list of movies. I'm like, wow. Go. Yeah. I I haven't I oh, haven't no. seen so many of those. You never saw Most the Black of those. White I have not Korloff seen either. one. Yeah. You yeah, never no. saw that? No. Did you say Korloff? Yeah, I think it's Korloff. Uh, but for those of you who don't know, a mummy, uh, this is the definition from Wikipedia, is a dead human or animal whose soft tissues and organs have been preserved by either intentional or accidental exposure to chemicals, extreme cold, very low humidity, or lack of air so the recovered body does not decay further if kept in cool and dry conditions. Right. So it's like embalmed, but it's like it, a lot of that is natural embalming, but they do so much to embalm them as well. Well, and, and it also kind of talks about how most mummies are in uh, kind of dry, cooler climates right. because warm, moist climates, a lot of times when they when they pull the mummy out, they just kind of decompose within hours mm-hmm. as soon as they get out there. Now, the word mummy comes from the medieval Latin term mummia, 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 which means embalmed corpse. It's borrowed from Persian where it means asphalt and derived from mum, which means wax. Well, and that's the thing, because because of the mistranslation of the Arabic term for for bitumen, which is um, pitch or asphalt, they thought that mummies possessed healing properties. Mm-hmm. So they literally would grind up Egyptian mummies into a powder and sold them to people as medicine. Yeah, to heal bruises and prevent bleeding. What, what is it? Do you think they were they thought that these mummies had been preserved for so long there that they if they consume it? them, then they'll somehow be healed? I mean, I know. That there were old like old wives tales back in the day or you'd bleed out or do things that would never work but they thought would heal you do you think that's why they started no, like, I think consuming it's because, mummies it's because of the mistranslation they thought it was like this uh, uh kind of a uh, what's the word like an uh salve or like, an a, like a mineral pitch okay like, yeah like they, they used it as a way to kind of like as a preserver so yeah i think it has something to do with that wow you yeah, ew. why would you eat mummy powder uh, but then people didn't just eat it. They also used it in painting. Yeah. They, they, they ground up mummies and, and used a pigment called mummy brown that they would put into paintings. It was just ridiculous. It wasn't just humans either. They, they'd grind up mummified cats and, and dogs as well. Uh, in fact, many mummified cats were sent from Egypt to England to be used for fertilizer. So you get a mummified cat and they grind it up and put it in the ground. So use it for fertilizer, eat it, or paint with it. Yes. And in case you're wondering, over one million animal mummies have been found in Egypt, many of which are cats. There's a lot of mummified animals out there, not just humans. And it's probably just practice, right? Yeah, I, I think to a point, but also <laughs> yeah. like, it's like my first mummy. Give them a little kit for the kids. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a. I mean, is, a passage into manhood is, is, is wrapping your first cat. Taxidermy mummification. <gasps> Could we classify that? Oh. As that? Maybe, although I don't think you know because in, it's preservation and, and speaking of history, like embalming or the treatment of a dead body to sterilize it, protect it from decay, which I would say is taxidermy, has been used throughout time. Yes, uh, and we're going to go way far back, but everyone you see at a viewing is a mummy. Yeah, well, 
for the time being. Uh, but like Greeks and Romans used to essentially wax their heroes, like kind of like make them into like just like statues as long as they could and parade their dead heroes through the streets just yeah. to kind of show them as martyrs as well. Some people have done this where they kind of want to pres- like show themselves off. But yeah. wait, I want to pull back just a little bit, though. Sure. Because when we talk about mummies, there's two distinct categories of mummies. Okay. There is anthropogenic, anthropogenic, or spontaneous. Essentially intentional mm. or accidental zombies. So, or, for example... Mummies, not zombies. Accidental would... And zombies is going to come up a lot in right. the show. Accidental would be like freezing to death, right? Yeah, like people that are, are trapped in ice uh, come okay. up a lot. Uh, how it's like they're preserved, but it wasn't intentional. But, but uh, anthropomorphic... Well, not anthropogenic. anthropogenic. Those sure. are the ones who are deliberately created for a number of reasons, but like religious purposes is probably the main reason back in Egypt because it was part of their Egyptian rituals because they started doing it back as early as the second dynasty, about 2800 BC. Okay. And they said that preparing the preserving the body after death was an important step to living well in the afterlife. And it became this status symbol where like if you were really important, you would be mummified. You would be well-preserved. To help you in the next life. Yeah. And it, it's just so interesting. Like, it was like a class system, obviously. Royalty was going to be mummified. Mm. And just like, and we're going to talk about the process of how they were. But essentially, they they wanted the yeah, body... Things are going to get a little gruesome. Sure. They medically. wanted the body to be preserved in order for the dead to be reborn in the afterlife, as you were saying. Uh, because the mummified body, it's the home for the soul or spirit. Like, they have a lot of, like, ka. And there's another term where it's like the body and soul do need to reunite mm-hmm. because so it's much like of this Ka and Min Rider. <laughs> oh, Nicole's so happy up, right Nicole? now. <laughs> but just Nicole, it, it does all come down to their religious beliefs, their faith in their gods, and everything has significance and symbolism that we could do a whole show on the rites that they would practice yeah. for pharaohs specifically. But like, for example, they just wanted the body to stay intact. Otherwise, the spirit may be lost. And so even like they would go as far as to make like boats of all different sizes, sometimes life-size giant boats, sometimes smaller model boats to be buried alongside dead pharaohs to help them on their journey to the afterlife. And I found this interesting, like we talk about like pyramids and hieroglyphics and everything, but hieroglyphics and symbols on coffins weren't just like, oh, here's our family crest and our family name. They're inscribed with the secret names of deities and there's like... 50 plus deities that you have to memorize their names and what they do to pass into the afterlife. So you must recite them to the gods themselves. And so it's kind of a cheat sheet on your coffin. I thought it was just like funny memes that you send your buddy. (laughs) Well, now now it would be. Now it should be. Yeah. Yeah. Mine would just be like vines from like 10 years ago. Mine would just be the creeper gif. Yeah. Yeah. Just see at the pearly gates, they're like, who is David after dentist? (laughs) Is this real life? But yeah, I mean, obviously this all comes down to, I mean, sure, preserving someone that meant a lot for the country, but also for them specifically or for the family, it was a religious right for the afterlife. Yeah. And a lot of the reasons we know this is because they've done these scientific examinations of mummies. And these mm-hmm. these actually began back in 1901. They started doing these, instead of just going into a tomb and just cutting things open and taking whatever, this was like a scientific examination in Cairo. And the first x-ray of the mummy came in 1903 when it was like the only x-ray machine in Cairo and they used it to examine the body of Thutmos or Tutmos okay. the fourth. And nowadays they do CT scanning, which is much more advanced and they're able to digitally unwrap mummies without actually damaging the, the corpse, 
which is preferred yeah. when you do these kind of things. But early on, they literally were just cutting wrappings open and just seeing what was inside. Do you think it was around that same time around the 1900s when like, I'm not going to say the legal practice of, of breaking into a tomb or, or researching that way, but like there was grave robbing happening for centuries, I'm yeah. sure. But do you think it was like became something that researchers and scientists would just start doing as a study of history? Like it became more um, above board I at that so. time? I think that's around the time it kind of became a legitimate scientific examination rather than, hey, this is Hey, cool. let's go steal the jewels. Yeah. Let's go poke the mummy with a stick. Grave robbing. Yay. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yay. By the way, fun Belongs fact. In a museum. Now, now I, I got so many conflicting reports on what was actually the oldest one out there. But one of the ones reported the oldest known naturally mummified human corpse, according to Wikipedia, is a severed head. Oh. It's 6,000 years old, and it was found in South America. So it wasn't even an Egyptian one. Yeah, I have that the uh, Chileans or the Chincharo people yes. were the ones doing it 2,000 years before the Egyptians. This is somewhat serious, but it's going to sound like a joke. Do, do you really do you think that this is like we, we are actually just fascinated with somebody who is kind of deranged? Like think about uh, ah, Buffalo Bill in sure. in, uh, in Silence of the Lambs right. has the guy's head in the jar. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know, it, let's say let's say thousands of years later, somebody finds that head in a jar and they're like, "Wow, this is fascinating. These people did this." Yeah, right. It's like they're so distinguished. Did they do right? it? Well, that's that's, that's, that's it. So the, like talking what is about this, that, Futurama, like, the Egyptians. <laughs> obviously, that was like a religious rite, and there's there's all these writings attached right. to it. But there are there are a lot of other uh, accidental zombies, or <laughs> I keep saying zombies, mummies. <laughs> mm-hmm. These accidental when they mummies. come back, they're zombies. <laughs> so sure. but I want to see the movie Accidental Zombie. <laughs> <laughs> I would watch that. Ah, dang but, it again! <laughs> but mummies and humans, uh, uh, mummified humans and animals, have been found on every single continent. Uh, they've been found in in Africa. They've been found in Asia. Although in Asia, a lot of them are mostly accidental. They just happen to be in the right environment at the right time when they died. For example, like the, there were eight mummified human remains in a salt mine that they found in northwestern Iran. And preserved because of the salt? Because they died down there in a salt mine, their body was preserved. Weird. Yeah. Ew. I hate that so much. Uh, speaking of Asia, did you read about the ones in Japan? The accidental I zombies? did not. Okay. <laughs> this this show is now accident- just the accidental zombie show. <laughs> because it's an accident. We're just going to say it a lot. Yes. Accidentally, uh, mummy. So I want to send this um, word of the, what these people are called to Zach, but I'm not going oh, to. But in Japan, there is a process of self-mummification called Sokushin Butsu. Okay. Now, I feel, now I feel pretty good about happy. that. Yeah. Poos <laughs> in boots. <laughs> so it's a three to ten year diet. This, like I said, this is self mummification. These were monks where they would only eat pine needles, nuts, roots, and tree buds for oh. three to ten years. Essentially, it's like a thousand day diet. And uh, when they just eat those things, they rid the body of fat and muscle. And it also delays decomposition after death, basically, planning to die. As like a, a saint in some way. Oui. And then after you do the diet. right? Well, if I were eating that diet, I'd probably want to die too. Yeah, truly. After the diet, so before dying for 100 days, you only drink salt water to shrink your organs. Uh. And then if the monk is dying, so I mean, picture this. The monk is dying. His co-workers, that's what I call them. They place him in a pine box at the bottom of a pit. And they give him a small bamboo shoot, like a straw for air. No. And just wait for the person to die. No. Because they're they're signing up for this, right? Yeah, They've prepared no. their bodies for this. And then after they die, you know, they'll knock on the box. Hey, monk, you down there? Dude. Not Tony Shalhoub. Dude. <laughs> dude. <laughs> dude. Shalhoub. He's like, ah, hmm, hmm. Can, can we get a Tony Shalhoub impression? Uh, can, does anyone have a Tony Shalhoub impression? <laughs> no. 
I don't even know. <laughs> I'm trying to do it, but all I can do is Antonio Scarpacci from Wings, also played by Tony Shalhoub. Oh, yeah. Can I hear that? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, the only, see, the, I'm trying to think of a monk one, and all I can do is like, hey, guys, uh, they're telling me that the ship's breaking up or whatever. <laughs> so I should know. It's like, oh, just, just close off the air hole. It's fine. <laughs> so anyways, um, they, they seal the box after they're dead. And then a thousand days later, they open the box and check the body for decay. A thousand days. A, a thousand days. So, yeah. I mean, like I said, it's as long as the diet goes. And if there's any decay, because they want them to basically be crystallized with the diet they had and the salt water and everything. If there's any decay, they perform an exorcism on the body and bury it again. My goodness. Thinking that if there's any sort of deterioration, that it must be evil. Well, why? I don't know. Speaking of monks, if mm -hmm. I may jump over to Europe for a bit here. Come back, Joel. Yeah, Come it. back. The friars of the Palermo's Capuchin Monastery in uh, Palermo, Italy, the catacombs there host nearly 8,000 mummies. In Italy, there are that many mummies. I had mummies. no idea. There's wow. tons. Although most of the mummies they found in Europe come from bogs located across the region. Uh, they found them in Great Britain, Ireland, Germany, the Netherlands, Sweden, Denmark. And they call them bog bodies. I don't, so, I don't like that. I'm telling you right now, unless you want to be disturbed, don't look up bog bodies on Wikipedia. Zach, I think we know what to do. Here we go. Bog because bodies. Because bog bodies are people who've fallen into swamps, marshlands, and their bodies have been naturally <gasps> They're preserved. so well preserved. Yes. Now, here's the creepy thing. Because when, when they're in the, the, the swamps, the acidity of the water, the low temperature, and the mm -hmm. lack of oxygen kind of tan the body's skin and soft tissues. Wow. So they're very well preserved and they found them a lot during excavations. But here's the creepy thing is many bog bodies, a lot of them show signs of being stabbed, <gasps> bludgeoned, hanged or strangled or a combination of these methods. And like you said, they're so well preserved, you can tell. Yes. You yeah. can tell that lacerations were made. And these are like, I mean, I thought when I first read out bog bodies, I'm like, oh, people actually, like Artex, we'll find him as a bog body. <laughs> oh, oh, what? But, oh. but uh, I found out this is actually kind of like a, a well, and not just a dumping ground for like a landfill? murders, kind of murders dropping off bodies, What? but also ritualistic. Like some of these were ritualistic killings for religious reasons. And then they put their body in a bog and send it back to the earth. Wow. So bog bodies are, are and and I'm assuming unlike the mummies. Egyptians, these were just regular people. These, were yeah, just these killed. are accidental, spontaneous zombies. Or, or, <laughs> oh, now we're just spontaneous, spontaneous zombies. zombies. I can't. It's the sequel to accidental zombies. Uh, <laughs> they just show up. Yeah. Oh, I'm here. Uh, anyway, but bog bodies are, are one of those mummies that really do kind of creep me out because. Just I had no there. idea. I didn't and they're find hiding those. out there in all marshlands all over the place. Ew. Um, one of the oldest natural mummies in Europe was discovered in 1991, and they nicknamed it Otzi. Oh. He, was in, he was in the Otzital Alps. They called him Otzi, but he's a 5,300-year-old male, and he, they did a DNA test on mm -hmm. him. He has 19 living genetic relatives. Wow. Some people out there are related to the mummy Ozi. Now let's jump to North America. North America is a little bit controversial, uh, only because... When they find bodies, a lot of them are attached to still existing Native cultures of Native Americans. Okay. And there is a tradition that says their remains need to be returned to their original resting places. So if they do find a mummy, it's not usually put on display, or if it is, not for a very long time. Where are the mummies kept or where are they found? Not, not tombs, right? 
Not as much, no. Um, there's there's some uh, like one of them. This is in Canada, but it was mm. found. At, oh, wow! Well, I should I should send this one to Zach. <laughs> no, it's, get off easy. Yeah, I'm gonna let Zach do this oh, one. Dang. Yes, it's right there in the blue. It starts with a K. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's quadrantistrunji. <laughs> exactly right. Oh, Zach is hoping a mummy curse. Uh, <laughs> uh, spontaneous zombies are here. <laughs> Brian? Uh, no, but Quade Danciji, it actually translates to a, a long ago person found, was found in 1999 at the edge of a glacier, and they are the oldest and well-preserved uh, mummy discovered in North America. So okay. a glacier is the reason for that one. But are they, they able to study them? Or like you said, it's it's so sacred that they must uh, send them back to... Sometimes they're able to study them, get permission to study them, but sure. most of the time it's just kind of they go back into the earth if they find them. Wow. Um, there's, a lo- there's a lot of stories about that. But then you get into like pre-Columbian Mexico, and it's like, you know, Aztec culture, a lot of these where they were ritualistically killed mm-hmm. and sacrificed, and mm-hmm. then preserved and buried wow uh there's one in nevada called the spirit cave man it was discovered in 1940 and it's this guy who is it's a middle-aged male found completely dressed and lying on a blanket made of animal skin and they're saying that tests of him say that he's nearly nine thousand years old what which makes me go well then and why it's open it? air like it's animals like he's just laying there it was yeah well it was a blanket Yes, and there are pictures. They, they were doing uh, guano mining in this area, and they went down and found this guy. Oh, terrifying. You can see pictures of him as well, and he's wrapped up in this little thing. Uh, they found mummies in Australia, New Zealand. There was mummified heads that they would keep as trophies uh, uh, for war. So once again, going back to the Buffalo Bill thing of like, Bleh. that's kind of weird. And in South America, they have some issues because a lot of times um, they it's, it's a warmer climate, so a lot mm-hmm. of them didn't preserve. But like you mentioned, the Chinchurro... Uh, mummies are the oldest in intentionally prepared mummified bodies ever found, is what it says here. Yeah. And their process was pretty gross. They would actually remove the body, and this is after death, of skin, flesh, organs, and the brain. And they like burnt the bones with hot ash to remove any liquid. And then they put twigs to kind of support the body, mm-hmm. to kind of build a frame. And then they put the skin back on. Like it's super weird, and then they like wax over the whole body too. Yes, it's just it's, yeah. I don't get it. it. It really is one of those processes that I mean. Granted, this is thousands of years ago. It's, sure, it's hard to get in the mind of someone who lived thousands of, of years ago. But nowadays, just like you look at that, you're like, well, but why? Mm-hmm. Why? Just to scare us so so much. Like anytime we're looking through a cave and we see bones, we're like ah, it's a mummy. Yeah. Someone knew I'd be But scared. I mean, you, you kind of dovetailed into it nicely, Kent. Should we get into the grotesque, somewhat grotesque process of mummification? I mean, is it grotesque uh, or is it scientific? Depends. Okay. And we're going like Egyptian mummification no here, right? Yes, yes. We're not going with bog bodies here. <laughs> Please, uh, no. But the, the thing about it is, I didn't know this. I found this out in my research for doing this for the shore, is that a lot of times in the ceremonial rituals, they only describe the ceremonial part. Mm-hmm. They don't really describe the entire actual surgical process. So like a lot of the papyri, papyruses, papyri out there don't fully explain how they did the mummification process. So right. people are left to kind of piece it together based on different things. This is a bit longer because I think this is our focus is the Egyptian mummies because it's what yes. we know from pop culture, right? Yes, that, that's gonna what we're going to focus on here. And so when we're talking about the rich class, the pharaohs and uh, the priests at that time, we're going to talk about those steps that you, that you listed. Yes. And so to kind of run through these, first, the embalmers first had to remove the moist parts of the body, which would rot. The brain was removed through the nostrils, and we've heard a lot about that. But back in the day, I found this out. Back okay. in the day, they used to say that they removed it with a big iron hook. They'd stick up their nose yes. and pull out pieces. Mm-hmm. But they've found since then... Do they liquefy it? 
they liquefy. Oh, I don't. It's a, they, they found they found a, Oh my gosh, my eyes watering right now. They found a mummy with like a certain tool up there that oh, showed ah, that's like, oh, they ah. kind of they liquefy it and then they use gravity to let it drain out the nose. I hate that. Yeah. These these <laughs> these are two researchers, Bob Breyer and Ronald Wade, who just who tried to replicate it and they yeah. found, oh yeah, that's much easier that way. I ah. mean it is than pulling little pieces out of little lobotomies. Yeah. Little lobotomies, it sounds like little Einsteins. <laughs> little lobotomy. <laughs> Well, I find it interesting that the brain was not important, but all the other organs were important for the afterlife. So the second step was the internal organs were removed through a cut in the left side of the body. The yeah. lungs, liver, stomach, and intestines were mummified separately and placed in special containers named canopic jars. But keep in mind, they weren't doing this with like scalpels. This no. is like uh, chunks of obsidian, obsidian that were just yep. sharpened, and then they just slice open their side. I mean, that's kind of what scalpels are, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. It is. It lava is. Lava rock. Much less sterilized, though. Number three, the heart was left in the mummy in order to be weighed against the feather of truth and justice in the afterlife by the god Anubis. If the deceased had done bad things, then their heart would be heavy and would not be allowed into the afterlife. Instead, Amet, who was part crocodile, lion, and hippopotamus, would devour them. If you've seen Moon Knight, you get it. Only the heart, only if the heart was weighed the same as the feather could the deceased person go into the afterlife. So they got rid of the brain. They made a little smoothie of the brain, but kept the heart there because they wanted it to be dried out and the same weight as a feather. And the fourth step is the body was covered in a kind of salt called natron, natron, patron, for 40 days to dissolve. <laughs> natron, natron, natron. natron, yeah. To dissolve body fats and absorb the moisture. Then linen was used to pat out the cavities and the body was treated with herbs, oils, and resins. So at this point, they're just preparing the body. They're treating it very sacredly. And then this is when they start ornamenting the body. So they would put makeup, jewelry, and a wig placing on the body. And then any missing or damaged parts would be replaced, like a leg or an arm would re be replaced with wooden parts, so the person's body would be complete in the afterlife. And then protective amulets, like necklaces, were placed on the body, so kind of in between the wraps. Yep. They would throw in like a, a special amulet. Like you know when you play that game, like you know parties, holiday parties. Uh -huh. Yeah. When you have all the candy and everything. The, the candy big, bar game. Yeah. Well, the big old <laughs> the big ball of uh, saran wrap that you kind of pull out and yeah. real quest. I imagine that's with mummies. If you just kind of took the wrapping, did that. <laughs> All these ambulances. That's how you get cursed. Be Don't do that. Because <laughs> you've seen you've seen the movies. No, but I got Don't doubles. The it's my turn. <laughs> and you're using two forks. Yes, yeah, you, you can't really use your arms. Mitts on. <laughs> What are we doing with these mummies? I don't know. This is the weirdest party I've ever been to. So yeah, they put jewelry there, and th those were meant to be a protection and kind of a gateway, uh, and sometimes payment to get to the afterlife. Then the embalmers wrap the body in linen bandages, as we know, based on like the stereotypical mummy. Yeah, I want to say stereotypical zombie because <laughs> to give it nothing. But this took 15 days while spells and rituals were performed to ensure safe passage to the afterlife. The body was fitted with a mask and placed in a coffin or series of coffins. And they would open the mouth. It's actually called the opening of the mouth ceremony. And the priest would touch the face of the coffin with special instruments to, rest to restore speech, sight, and hearing for the afterlife. And the final step was the coffin was then placed in a tomb and surrounded by possessions and small model workers called Shabtis who would work for the dead in the afterlife. So there was still like a servants yeah. for them in the afterlife. Yeah. And that is like the legit Luxor experience that, that we're getting. That was described uh, by some to be the quote, most expensive process. Oh. <laughs> Wait, I'm kind of like when I get new tires or brakes, I'm like, can I get like the middle ones? Yeah. Well, then you're going to want Kent, what they call the <laughs> avoiding expense method. <laughs> Or the discount. This is like the coupon sure. method. Okay. So your your way was very intricate and mm -hmm. you know probably will preserve precise. the body very well. Yeah. But the avoiding expense version, 
They use an oil derived from cedar trees, and they inject a, inject you with it through the abdomen in a syringe. Okay. That will both has a dual purpose of once again, I'm sorry, liquefying the internal organs, but also disinfecting the abdominal cavity. Wait, so I don't get my pancreas in a jar? They just liquefy everything. They, they stick a needle in you, and they and they do just I liquefy care? everything Hold inside. On. I'm dead, right? Yeah, you're dead at this point. I'm really glad I'm done with my drink because I wouldn't <laughs> want it anymore. We apologize Anyways. for anyone who's eating while listening to this. Well, uh, this but is the way the, cheaper version. The, well, but then the body was placed in Natron or nat- Natron. I don't know how to say it. It's sure. a, it's a uh, salt from lake beds. Mm-hmm. But for 70 days, after that time, the body was removed and the oil is drained from the body. Then, huh? it, you know, let's say, let's say again... <laughs> You're really looking to save a, a I like that this is for me because I'm like middle ground, even though I'm kind of <laughs> cheap as well. Okay, go on. This is the, what they call, so we have the most expensive, avoiding expense. Who, this, hey, who of us is going to pay the least? This is exactly. an expensive method. Uh, it would totally be me. You okay, know it's it would totally be me. you. Okay, you okay, know it would be me. Keep going with the middle one. Oh, I'd be accidentally no, bougie. Mid, middle, <laughs> <laughs> accidentally bougie zombie. <laughs> uh, but no, with, with this, uh, this is the, so we passed the, Discount one. This is like Dollar Tree. This is the okay. So I'm done. Like they drain me of all oils and fluids. No, that, that's that it. That's all you me. Need. Yeah, and I'm just kind of salt help petrify me. Yeah, that's about it. Mm. But then, and I guess you do, you do the rest at home. It's kind of like thing where you know you get it at IKEA DIY mummy a little bit. <laughs> but then you have the inexpensive method. So we had most expensive avoiding expense. This is the bottom tier inexpensive method. This is this is a Groupon you, mummy. This is just what it says. I'm just going to read this. Okay. I'm just going to read this. Can't wait. This is what it says. Clear the intestines with an unnamed liquid and inject it as an enema. The body is then placed in Natron for 70 days and returned to the family. They don't even drain it at that point. They fill you full of an unnamed liquid, it says here. And so then, it, is it formaldehyde? No, this is back in the... Is this, your body just filled with formaldehyde and this you just is, kind of drain out? They didn't have formaldehyde back in the day. This is like that they said they got the oil from the cedar trees from the middle one. <laughs> Joel's middle dead. Grade. Turn him over. So you... Ch- <laughs> You choose which level you want here, guys. We Obviously. finished your Joel jerky. Here you go. Hey, you guys got the giant Tupperware? But here's the fun thing, fellas. <laughs> we wrapped them in foil and put them on a paper plate. Fun. Have you ever heard of modern mummification? No. So in 1975... I don't think I want to, Joel. In 1975, an organization by the name of Summum introduced modern mummification, where they use modern Summum. techniques along with aspects of ancient methods of mummification. Okay. So if you want to get mummified at Summum, here's what they'll do. This is what it says on their website. The body of the deceased is transported to a local funeral home where it is prepared for traditional viewing and funeral services. And then after that, the mummification rites begin. The rites of transference begin and are officiated as the body is bathed and cleansed. An incision is made to remove the organs. The organs are thoroughly cleansed and placed back in the body. The incision is left open so that organs receive further treatment. The body is then immersed in a baptismal font filled with special preservation solution and made up of liquids, some of which are chemicals used in genetic engineering. The body remains submerged for a period of time long enough to achieve maximum penetration as the rites of transference continue. The body is removed from the immersion baptismal tank, cleansed again, then covered with the lotion. Several layers of cotton gauze are wrapped around the body. A polyurethane membrane is applied over the gauze, forming a permanent seal. Then follows a layer of fiberglass and resin. The mummy is taken within a pyramid building to continue the rites of transference. The body is encased in a metal sarcophagus. The sarcophagus is filled with an amber resin completely surrounding the mummy and protecting the perfection that has been created. The openings in the sarcophagus are welded closed. The sarcophagus is enshrined within a mummy sanctuary or interred in a local cemetery. Wait, who? okay, first off, Jurassic Park? Yeah, and the amber. <laughs> and secondly, 
who does this and who's allowed to do this? Well, it's this organization, Summum. And if you don't Summum know... Summum else. S-U-M-M-U-M. Mm-hmm. And the first person to actually do this was the founder of Summum, whose name is Summum Bonum Amon Ra, also known as uh, Corky King. Mm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. His name is Claude Brex Norwell. He's the, he's the founder of some of the sure. his, his name was Corky King. It was one of the, or Corky Raw, as I'll said. But he died January of 2008. So okay. this just happened. Ugh. Not only that, some of them is considered to be the only commercial mummification business in the world. And according to the website, the current cost for mummification, do you guys want to know how much it costs to be mummified? Hmm. It's very precise. It is unclear if this price includes the sarcophagus or artistic MoMA form or not. I'm not sure. But if you want this done, gentlemen, you just have to go to I-15 in Utah because the Summum Pyramid is located in Salt Lake City, Utah. What? It's just across I-15 from the Fear Factory. You can accidentally get Summumed? Well, no. Summumied? No, no, no. No, it's literally, it's this this, uh, pyramid. Right there. That's it's like, their headquarters? It's 40 feet long, 26 feet high, and it is... Huh. They they have mummified animals in there. I had a friend who went in there and saw what? the ritual. You, you can make an appointment to go in there and, and see what's going on. They have honey wine, apparently, that they, they let people drink during... Don't the- drink anything there. But uh, And they, they actually do mummify animals. And I went to look at the animal price, but they're not offering that right now. It says unavailable okay. at this time, so I don't know why they're not doing animal yeah. mummification. But here in Utah, you can actually get mummified if you would like to. Yeah, it's like right next to the Fear Factory. Yep. I It's hate right across I-15. So, yeah, look up Summum Temple or Summum Pyramid. You'll find it. It's there for everyone to see. But if you do want to go inside, you do have to request an appointment. So, yeah. There you I'm go. glad it costs so much because otherwise I feel like I just get kidnapped and mummified. <laughs> you know? Yeah. They, they, I don't know how many people have actually done it, but it's there on their website. They have it out there for to do. So, there you go. Sheesh. So that's the process of mummification. But, you know, some might not want that. And some might not want the curses that could come with entering a mummy's tomb. uh, I like what you did there. So the curse of the pharaohs, or the mummy's curse, is a curse alleged to be cast upon anyone who disturbs the mummy of an ancient Egyptian, especially a pharaoh. A little redundant. This curse, which does not differentiate between thieves and archaeologists, is claimed to cause bad luck, illness or death. Now, in these instances, we're going to get into some short histories here. Yes. The news media at the time, well, news media will always kind of blow things out of proportion. A little bit. Right? And and create crazy stories. And at this time... You got to sell the newspapers. You do. And at this time, and especially with one of these major stories, this was huge news because as we talked about in the early 1900s, finding mummies was a, it was a big deal. It was a very new yes, thing. So in 1922, a guy named Howard Carter, he was a, an archaeologist, he discovered or at least explored the tomb of Tutankhamun. Yes. I can never say it right. King Tut. And that King really Tut. made it super like it became this worldwide sensation and, and mummy fever caught everybody not that mummy fever but another mummy fever there is another one of these where there's mummy fever but okay. they say that the belief in a curse came because of the deaths of some members of howard carter's team after they shortly after they discovered the tomb in 1922 and it's so crazy they actually found 5,000 artifacts like gold jewelry and statues this was such a big deal because king tut was a young king right yes. served for 10 years so i think he was 19 when he died and they think it was either a hunting accident or just something mysterious. Mm-hmm. But essentially, a month after they found the tomb and were excavating it, the sponsor or the one who financed the whole project got a mosquito bite 
Yes. And, and quickly died from a bacterial infection. Well, no, 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 no. So his name is Lord Car- uh, Lord Carnivon. Mm-hmm. He got a mosquito bite, and then he was shaving and and accidentally right. cut the bite, and then he got an infected uh, blood. He got an infe- he got an infection and got blood poisoning. Mm-hmm. And then you have another person on the team, uh, G- George George J. Gould the first. Uh, he died shortly after uh, developed well shortly after like a year later it almost seemed like he died in 1923 uh, he got a fever after he visited the tomb yeah which some people say there is a specific type of mold that grows oh, on zombies we'll get into that okay, as well okay, okay, okay. zombies so, yes yeah. <laughs> mummies <laughs> man moldy zombies yeah <laughs> so in 1924 and this is two years after the find uh, British archaeologist Hugh Evelyn White hanged himself allegedly leaving a note that says I have succumbed to the mummy's curse and later that year the radiologist who x-rayed the mummy before it was given to the museum died of an unidentifiable illness. And this was just happening. Like six other members died of the group within, from pneumonia, yeah. being smothered by a pillow. Yeah, suspected smothering. Yeah. Did you read the one about the paperweight? So one of the guys no. on his team, uh, well, he, uh, Carter, uh, Howard Carter, gave a paperweight to one of his friends that was a mummified hand. Oh, okay. I did read this. Yeah. yeah. And it had on his wrist, it had like a scarab uh, bracelet on it. But the bracelet apparently said... Cursed be he who moves my body, mm-hmm. to him shall come fire, water, and pestilence. And shortly after getting this paperweight, the mummified handed it, the guy's house burned down, and then they rebuilt it, and then it was destroyed by a flood. Yeah. So, I mean, that's plague type stuff. That is. Now, and, now this caught so much wind that Mussolini, who, and this was in the 1920s, remember? So before yes. World War II, he wanted King Tut to show in a museum. And he heard about these deaths, and he said, uh, and it was like on its way to him. And he ordered, he's like, I don't want this. Remove this. And I never want this in my country. Freaked him out. Yeah. Yeah. Although, let's let's get some facts here. Okay. Let's out, hear it. Out of the study, the study showed that out of the 58 people who were present when the tomb were opened, only eight died within a dozen years. Okay. That's not that big of a curse. That's that's like less than 50 I mean, I hate to be sure. those people, but that sounds like pretty natural to happen anyways. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're all dead now, though. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Uh, and there, due to popular misconceptions, there actually was no curse found on the Pharaoh's tomb uh, when they went and explored it. A lot of people reported that it did. 50 years after the curse of King Tut, some artists, so this is 1972, some artifacts from King Tut's tomb were sent to the British Museum for that anniversary. And the director of antiquities of the museum died the night after he handled the artifacts. And then also many of the airmen aboard the aircraft that carried the artifacts to England suffered with heart attacks within the next year. Could be natural. Could be. But it it makes you raise an eyebrow. Now, here's something that like, and that that could be very natural causes. But one thing, and and there's just some bad luck, but actually like real things that happened. There's another mummy. It's uh, Casimir IV of Jagiellon. Uh, he was king of Poland, and he died in 1492. But, yeah. That's when Columbus sailed the ocean. There you go. Thank you. So his tomb was opened in 1973 by a 12-man team, and they were trying to conserve like the the palace and the tomb and everything. So they wanted to remove his body from where it was and just make it like pretty opulent. Mm-hmm. But they moved the body, and they weren't supposed to. Soon after, ten of the men died mysteriously. Ten of the twelve, and they're like, "Okay, that's not good. Like that's a total curse." They died because... That's how they said it, too. Guys, that's a total curse. That's a total curse. You don't even know. Dude. This is totally a curse. Monks. I can't even. (laughs) So it's now been thought that they died from toxins originating from a fungus in the tomb. Yes, because there's a mold that naturally kind of happens with the process mummification. It's not super toxic, but Mm -hmm. in in large doses, it definitely can do some damage. Most mold can if it gets in your lungs. I I didn't... Like, there wasn't any, any... 
uh, curse inscribed on uh, King Tut's tomb, mm-hmm. but in the tomb of oh, Kintika Ikeki is in the Sixth Dynasty as an inscription. This is the inscription on the tomb. Let's hear it. As for all men who shall enter this my tomb impure, there will be judgment. An end shall be made for him. I shall seize his neck like a bird. I shall cast the fear of myself into him. Tell me what, if I saw that, I would not go in I there. I would turn around. I would, I would turn around right then. I don't like that at all. Because these curses, one of those, I, I'm, not a well, super, I'm not superstitious. It's bad yeah. luck to believe in superstition. Well, I'm a little stitious. <laughs> <laughs> I just think stealing is bad. Can we just agree that yeah, stealing, th- is, stealing bad. is bad? Let's go with that. So I, I have two really quick curses, but it's really just like, hey, don't mess with stuff, even if like there is a chance. So there's one called the Curse of Osiris, and this is 1971. It was an excavation in Saqqara, and Egyptologist Walter Brian Emery found a small statue. He was going through this pyramid, found a small statue of the Egyptian god of death, Osiris. He decided, no one's going to miss this. I'm going to take it home. So he took it. Uh, it's either to his office, uh, office or home. But his assistant was in the other room, and he says, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna go take a shower." And a few min- minutes later, his assistant heard Emery screaming from the bathroom, and he's, he ran in there, and he he found Emery clutching the the sink basin, but like paralyzed. Like he was screaming, but he's just kind of standing there paralyzed. And basically, it's kind of like he had a stroke because he was un- unable to speak, paralyzed on the right side of his body, and died the following day. Now, in 2004, a German man was visiting the Valley of Kings, where King Tut was found. And this is 2004, mind you. Stole a relic, brought it home to Germany, displayed it in his home. Went at home, he fell into a fever, which turned into paralysis, similar to Emery, and then death quickly after. And so his stepson was like, I don't know what happened to my stepdad, but that's new, and I don't like it. So he sent it back to Egypt, hoping that his uh, stepfather's soul could rest in peace. Yeah. And like, like I said, it could just be bad luck. It could, but then... You have stories like in 1699, this guy named uh, Louis Penchier. There was a Polish traveler who bought two mummies in Alexandria and then got started on the sea journey to get back home. Okay. And then while they were on the sea, he had recurring visions of these two specters and the the storm got real bad. Mm -hmm. They eventually threw the mummies overboard and the storm stopped. Oh. And then there's this guy, uh, his name is Zahi Hawass. He's a modern Egyptian archaeologist. Okay. So this is happening kind of, well, this happened when he was younger, but he's around today. But he said he was traveling, transporting several artifacts from the Greco-Roman site they were working on. And his cousin died on the day he started transporting the goods. Hmm. His uncle died on its first anniversary. And in, on the third anniversary, his aunt died. Hey, don't, don't mess with that. It's just one of those things. And the scary stories were last week, Joel. <laughs> he, he actually was, uh, he was involved in the removal of two child mummies from the Bahira Oasis okay. uh, to a museum. And that he said he was haunted by the children in his dreams. And the dreams didn't stop until the mummy of the father was reunited with the children. What? So these, these curses, these, these happenings, mm-hmm. there's something weird happening. Yeah. Okay, so we talked about... The gruesome stuff. I kind of want to talk about the fun stuff. The, like, well, I mean, the more been, pop culture stuff is what we consider fun. Well, we started kind fun of fun mummies. We fun started zombies. kind of steeped in history. Yeah, and now we're moving, you know, a little more, a little more fantastic. And now we're just going to get into the folklore yeah. of mummies. So I want to talk about the four different types of mummies that we see in accidental yeah. zombies, spontaneous <laughs> zombies. What else do we have? Uh, spontaneously bougie zombies. <laughs> yeah, yes, me. Accidentally bougie. But there is the ramblers. And the, so the, these are the ones that are slow. They're stiff. They choke everyone to death. And that's a trope that's in almost every old that's mummy movie. That's what the mummy does. He yeah. chokes people. They're, they're, uh, they're generally a henchman. Okay. Like the ramblers are generally 
a slow moving. They were the film. guardians of the pharaoh or uh, yeah. a lover that that was in the tomb. But don't get that confused with soldiers. And soldiers, we see these more in modern zombie movies, and you even see these in the 1999 Mummy movie. These are mindless murdering machines. They're fast, but they're fragile. These ones, they can handle um, weapons. Yeah, like swords. They're the ones that pop out of the ground real fast. Yeah, and they have the dumb action scene where they just they get wiped out pretty easily. Those yeah. are the soldiers. Then you have the two important ones, and these are the pharaohs and the priests. And so priests, they want to exact vengeance. They're the ones that handle the black magic and the rituals. They can generally only be killed with that, the black magic and the rituals. Whereas the pharaohs, the pharaohs don't really want to live again unless there's something that's going wrong, like their queen has been taken away from them. Mm -hmm. And they will try to take a bride, a living bride, to return with them to the afterlife. Yes. So those are the four types, ramblers, soldiers, pharaohs, and priests. And really the mummy genre, like the the folklore genre, had its origins in the early 18th century when England was being, or not England, Egypt was being colonized by France. Mm -hmm. And so you get books like, one of the earliest examples of a mummy book is by Jane C. Loudon, and it's The Mummy, uh, exclamation point, panic! It's The Mummy, or A Tale of the 22nd Century. It's an 1827 novel, and it's about an Egyptian mummy named Cheops, who's brought back to life in the 22nd century. So even one of the first ones was set like way far in the future, which Weird. I thought was interesting. Okay. I, I actually want to read that one. And then the mummies originally in fiction were mostly female and it was kind of a romantic light. Like they'd come back and be a love interest for the for the protagonist. For this example, you get things like Jewel of the Seven Stars by Bram Stoker or The Ring of Thoth by Arthur Conan Doyle, you know, author of uh, uh, Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes. Holmes. And then even Edgar Allan Poe did a mummy story. It was called Some Words of the Mummy, although it was more satire. And then you get Lost in a Pyramid or The Mummy's Curse by Louisa May Alcott. That's one of the first examples of a mummy's curse genre. That was in 1869. Lost in a Pyramid straight up sounds like a rom-com. Lost in a Pyramid. <laughs> it's going to be one of those uh, Christmas holiday specials. Julia Roberts and George Clooney are... And then, uh, once again, Arthur Conan Doyle did one called Lot Number 249 in 1892. And it was the first one to depict a mummy as a sinister, dangerous, reincarnated creature. Okay. So that's kind of where you get in the literature aspect. And I found it interesting that both, you know, Arthur Conan Doyle and Edgar Allan Poe and Bram Stoker all wrote mummy books because yeah. you don't really associate them with mummies. Because I would have thought it started with uh, Boris Karloff, not Korloff, uh, yeah. in the 30s. Karloff. Cool. Uh, well, even before that, because the first mummy movie ever, at least according to my research, was an 1899 short silent film directed by George Millet, Millet oh. who did uh, Journey of the Moon, mm -hmm. a very famous film director, but it was called Robbing Cleopatra's Tomb. And it's about the resurrecting the mummy of Cleopatra, but this is a lost film. You can't find it. Hmm. It's gone. Like I see you. The, I understand. The first, yeah, the first mummy movie you can still watch is called Diagon de Mummy Ma, <laughs> oh. which is yeah. uh, it's Why a German Why is that not reading these? The Eyes of the Mummy. It's a 1918 German silent film. And I watched it. And? Not really mummy-ish and okay. not really good. I wasn't that impressed by it. So I wouldn't recommend watching that one. But I would recommend, if you want to, starting the first kind of classic mummy movie, which is Boris Karloff's The Mummy. We'll get yeah. more into the movie aspects later. But, but it's but. interesting that they start off it kind of in a romantic light. And I would say in the past 20 years, like, sure, there's more grotesque mummies out there. But I think the genre has, maybe it's young adult fiction's fault. But mummies are kind of romantic again. Yeah. Like Twilight. at least seen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But like Twilight. But even sparkly like mummies. TV shows. Sparkly like, zombies. Like Buffy the Vampire Slayer had a mummy that was kind of a mummy seductress. Yeah. And you see that a lot. 
I do want to jump right back to the powers that mummies have if you happen to run into a mummy. If you happen to. If you happen to be in Egypt yeah. or in a bog. Like we've talked about werewolves. We've talked about zombies and vampires. Uh, not Frankensteins yet. We'll get there. But if you happen to run into a mummy and try to fight them, they're immune to bullets. Yes, they just kind of like powder when you shoot. Yeah, right. The pharaohs are the human embodiment of ancient gods, so they generally have the powers of sun and light. So be careful. They could do pretty well in a uh, villain bracket, actually. Yeah. They're quite strong, and they have healing ability because they can regenerate their life force by stealing ours. Basically by sucking our souls. Yes. And so it heals their bodies. And the priest mummies can raise and control the dead, and they can summon scarabs, snakes, or jackals. Mm. So not good. But if you need to kill mummies, and I'm going to break this down, fire and decapitation will at least slow them down. <laughs> fire will kill a lot. Decapitation will slow them down. They're, they're dry and they have like loose wrappings. So right. fire is my first go-to. But if you cut off their legs and arms, these will eventually move back to the torso. So you're out of the woods for a little bit, maybe 20 <laughs> minutes. So run. They're you, slow moving. you timed though. it. Yeah. <laughs> and go. And if you are able to get them back in their sar- sarcophagus, which is what you actually want to do and seal it, you must perform a ritual to send them back to Duat or the afterlife. Generally, like the pharaohs have a reason to be back. They don't want to be back. They don't even want to like come after people for the curse. Mm-hmm. It would have to be a reason, like I said, to like find a lady friend to take back to the afterlife. Yeah. But like they don't want to come back. They, they don't, don't, they're not like you're disturbing my slumber. Like I'm going to strangle you. But just don't mess with them. It's, it's don't just mess best with to not mess with zombies. Don't mess with pharaohs. That's good advice. Good advice. <laughs> Thanks. But You're if you welcome. do want to raise them, all you need is a couple tana leaves, apparently. That's it. Yeah. Because that's a fictional leaf they made up in, in one of the series, and it's like, that's how you brought them to life. But mm-hmm. I, or I, the I, Book of the Dead. We haven't talked about the Book of the Dead, which is the book of the pretty dead much well. all these movies. Yeah. You read from it, they're going to rise. Yeah. Don't do that either. Like bread. A little bit. Well, gentlemen, I uh, am scared and grossed out and uh, confused on whether we're talking about mummies or zombies. Um, Essentially, they are zombies. the same thing, just yeah. different, different clothing. You know what I'm never confused about? Talking movies on Bacon Sale. So there's lots of mummy movies, right? And they're all great. Let's they're, go through them. Oh. And they're, they're all the same movie. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so just jumping into that a little bit right now, I'd maybe seen three or four of the mummy movies. We have like 19 on the list, uh-huh. I think. Yeah. And... I, so we the watched, important ones you saw. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and well, we'll get into that when we talk about the specific <laughs> movies. Sure. But I was really disappointed with mummy movies. Okay. We talked about like the low ratio quality of some of these genres, right? Ghosts like, by far have the best For some reason, movies. vampires need better movies, right? Ghosts have amazing movies. Which Werewolves have terrible don't movies. have very many. No. But zombies? Zoomies? Zoomies movies. That's just <laughs> what they are now. Let's call them zombies. Zoomies. Zoomies. They just like get up and run around. Really it hard. might be the, the worst genre of horror there is. Well, that's why I think they're always these side characters because the main story, like you said, Ken, it's the same story mm-hmm. over and over and over again. Right. And you're like, well, isn't that the same with zombie movies? I'm like, no, you can put them in a different situation. But the mummy movies all seem to be the same. They're in a tomb. They disturb a mummy. Uh, disturb it, disturb the tomb, and then a mummy comes and starts killing them one by one. I want to know after we talk about these movies how they can be scary, how there can be a good mummy movie again. Well, well, some of these will get approved. It's true, but let's just jump into it. We'll go chronologically through this list, starting with 1932's *The Mummy*. A resurrected Egyptian mummy searches Cairo for the girl he believes to be his long-lost princess. The classic. This is Boris Karloff, which it's funny. Boris Karloff is the face of the mummy mm-hmm. because he's barely in the wrappings at all in this right. movie. Yeah. Like literally right at the beginning. And then he he becomes like a regular looking guy, right. but a little creepy. So this is Boris Karloff, came out in 1932. 
but this really is like I said it, it it's kind of boring oh it is boring of the classic universal monster movies this is like the lesser one but it is still a universal must well and it's also kind of a recycled plot from Dracula mm-hmm. um, honestly where it's like different setting obviously so that's setting. what makes it cool I, I just don't think it holds up as well as like Dracula or the no. Invisible Man or Wolf, Werewolf or, Wolf or Black Man. Lagoon. Yeah, but at the same time, it's a classic, and I have a hard time not giving an approval. We to have to a approve classic. it. Yeah, but if you watch this one, just know you don't even get to see him walk around in the mummy wrappings. Mm-hmm. By then, he's a little more formed in, in regular clothing. So, yeah, I'll approve the mummy. So you know how we complain about sequels all the time <laughs> nowadays? And we're like, oh, that movie has so many sequels; it's so watered down. Wow. Yeah, yes. here we go. Next up, 1940s, The Mummy's Hand. Archaeologists defile the tomb of a mummified Karis, who was buried alive for falling in love with an Egyptian princess. But here's the funny thing. Is, so Boris Karloff is like the face of the mummy. Yeah. But Lon Chaney Jr., who played the Wolfman, right. he played the mummy more times. He played mm-hmm. the mummy four times in this series of four movies right. that are essentially the same movie totally. over and over again. This one is so boring. This one, th- okay, so... It's like two rich two rich Americans go and travel, which is kind of the story of all of them. And one of them's named Babe. Yeah, Babe. Well, they have like this kind of Abbott and Costello team. Yeah. But it's actually before Abbott and Costello were ever did a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, in ni- This is in 1940. But I didn't mind this one as much. In oh, fact, really? I might like this one more okay. than the 1932 Mummy. Okay. But the problem is this uses footage from the 1932 movie to pad the runtime. Mm-hmm. No. Which is a little weird. Not approved. I'm going to put an approval on this one just because I did... Which means it's not approved. No, you get more mummy out of this. (laughs) Like, do you know what I mean? Like, the Boris Karloff... Now with more mummy for your dollar. Mo mummy, mo problems. (laughs) No, with Boris Karloff, you didn't get get the mummy shambling around in the wrappings. This one you do, and it's actually better because of it. Oh, so, I hated the character. I will disagree with you on that, okay. but I will also say that's kind of a boring movie because it's it's 67. Okay, these are short movies. They are. But they're the longest short movies you're ever going to watch. <laughs> How about 1942's The Mummy's Tomb? The ancient mummy, Karis, is transported to his homeland with the high priest Mehemet to wreak vengeance on the family who has defiled the sacred tomb of his beloved princess, Ananka. And this is once again Lon Chaney as Karis, which Karis is the mummy uh-huh. of this time. This one was confusing for me. Totally. Because they, hey, I, I do like that it has a dark priest that is trying to resurrect the mummy, which comes up in pretty much every movie after this. Yeah. And he so he is an evil force. Yeah. But this this happens, this, this movie, this sequel, because, okay, so the mummy's hand is not a sequel to the mummy. Oh, it's not? No. It's, I did consider, okay. It's a different mummy. It's its own thing. It's kind of a, it's kind of a reboot, honestly. Okay, sure. But they, this mummy's tomb is a direct sequel to the mummy's hand it's happened two years it was made two years later but for some reason they threw it like 30 years in the future yeah and babe is like old now right it's also funny because if they said it 30 years in the future it'd be in the 70s but it still looks like it's in the 40s i love the end of this one because a uh, mob with torches is chasing the mummy carrying the femme fatale he goes into this old estate and they're throwing torches to burn the place down trying to save the girl but they're burning the house down that she's in this movie is is pretty lousy and this is one also where they spend like a quarter of the runtime showing full-length scenes from the previous yep. movies. And it has so the same exact, it's the same exact plot. This is not approved. Definitely not Double approved. Double not approved. This, this one was bad. This one was really, really dragged. It was made on a shoestring budget. 
because they were using footage from The Mummy's Hand, Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, Ghost of Frankenstein, and the film score was even from a, The Invisible Woman, and they were using uh, a set from Uncle Tom's Cabin. Oh, okay. Like, well, they were just trying to yep, do something. That makes sense. This is our shortest runtime, though. It's a tie with the next one. Next up is 1944 is The Mummy's Ghost. Karis the Mummy is given a sacred potion that grants him eternal life to search for his lost love, Princess Inaka, despite the unending curse that haunts them. Once again, same movie. It's fine. But guess what? The Mummy shows up earlier in this movie than basically any other movie. It's 13 minutes in, and we see a mummy. Because generally in these movies, they have archaeologists like talk for half the runtime, and but, then you see a mummy. And this is the one where I realized that Karis the Mummy is essentially the Jason Voorhees of yeah, his time. Right. He silently stalks people, never says a word. He kills people without mercy. He gets destroyed, like literally burned up. And then he comes back in the next movie with no real rhyme or reason as to yeah. why. <laughs> I did not understand it. So the reason I, I do like this movie and I'm going to approve it is because the ending shocked me. It is such a boring mummy movie, but when he's taking the, the betrothed of this movie, he takes her into a swamp and she turns into an old mummified woman. And the ending shocked me so much that I went... Because it wasn't a happy ending. Spoiler alert for the mummy's ghost. Oh, yeah, ghost. spoiler alert, five, six, seven, eight. Bad, bad ending. Uh-huh. And so I'm going to approve it. Wait, the bad ending made you approve it? Yeah, it was different. It See, stuck I, out. I didn't. I did think Ramsey Ames, the girl that, yeah. that played that, she was quite beautiful. But the mummy makeup wasn't as good. I didn't good. like the story, so I'm not approving okay. this one. No approval for the mummy's ghost. No. From Joel. All right, uh, 1944 was a big year for mummies, which makes sense. I don't think there was anything else going on at the time. Uh, 1944 is the mummy's curse. Shipped to Louisiana, the mummy Karis from Egypt roams the bayou, tormented by his forbidden love for Princess Ananka. This one starts with a gypsy song, and I was like, is this a musical? Uh, listen, it's just a boring trope now of Karis just trying to find his lost love. But they changed the setting. Like, in, in the first one, it's like they, they, right. this town in Mapleton, Massachusetts. Is this Karis takes the bayou? A little bit. And then all of a sudden, they're in the bayou. And it's like, yeah. yeah, he's been here the whole time. It's like, no, he was in Massachusetts before. You mentioned that a lot. Not approved. There's a lot of walking and waking. And man, this movie dragged. I, I Yeah. It's like they weren't even trying. This is not approved. Although this was Lon Chaney Jr.'s final time as oh, Karis. Well, they okay. did some money. Now we get fun with Abbott and Costello meet the mummy. Two bumbling Americans stumble on the discovery of a lifetime when their search for a mummy leads them to a sacred medallion that holds the key to buried treasure. This is in 1955, and this is an Abbott and Costello movie. If you like Abbott and Costello really? movies... Do this, we this like is, Abbott and Costello movies? I like Abbott and Costello I like movies. Abbott and Costello sketches. I like the movie. Is it Which uh, one is the movies. iconic one? Is it Werewolf? Frankenstein. Meet the Frankenstein. Yeah. Meet Frankenstein, okay. Meet Frankenstein, not the Frankenstein, sorry. Okay. Meet the spontaneous zombie. <laughs> Because this one... That was a very effortful zombie, Joel. <laughs> this one was like kind of like the other movies where it was like kind of bland, a bland archaeology story, except for you had two guys that were friends in the movie. Uh, were they, though? This is actually... Were they, though? This is the last film that was produced by... This is the 28th and final film that Abner Costello did for Universal. Cash this Grab? Was, this was at the end of their career when they okay. couldn't stand each other. <gasps> really? Which is sad. It's really sad, the story of how their, their friendship kind of ended. If you like the shtick of Abner Costello, you'll like this one too. It's it's an it, enjoyable. It movie. really drags up until the last twenty five minutes when it becomes like kind of a fun uh, pyramid caper. Yeah, because there's not a lot of mummies at the begin, the first two right. thirds of this really, and then it gets to the end. And they're mostly. I had kind of fun at the end though. I did. That was a lot of fun. I'm going to say I, barely approved. I will also approve this one. Okay. Wow. How about 1957's Pharaoh's Curse? A crazed Egyptian follows the members of an archaeology expedition and kills them off one by one while getting progressively older. <laughs> okay. So the director of this, I want to point this out. Uh, his name is Lee Sholem. He directed more than 1,300 productions 
1,300 movies. This is even bad as a background show. No, really? There's, so? there's little merit to this movie. I like Zebra Rodan. The okay. girl. I like her in this. Okay, I get she's that. She's mesmerizing whatever she's on the but screen. But this was one of the most low-budget ones on the list. It was shot in six days. Oh, makes sense. Six days. Yeah. I... I still think this one's okay. Mm, like really? I, w- I would give this an approval if you're looking for a mummy movie. No, 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 no. But it's one of the better same stories. This also is the one that has the mummy in pajamas, which cracked me up. <laughs> He's not wrapped up all around. He's like sure. shriveled and in pajamas, and it makes me laugh. I, I like this one. Not I approved. approval. Now we have 1959's The Mummy. You're going to be shocked. Here we go. In 1895, British archaeologists find and open the tomb of Egyptian Princess Ananka with nefarious consequences. What? Uh, we have a remake here, everybody. Wow. But well, These okay, all the same. A remake. A remake. <laughs> all kind the of. same. But this is the one with Christopher Lee. You may know him from Lord of the Rings yeah. as a uh, Saruman. But also, to put uh, some respect on Count Dooku's name. <laughs> true. And then Peter Cushing, uh, Grandma Tarkin, a, uh, Horror Express <laughs> we've reunion. Got, we've got Grandma Tarkin, uh-huh. and we've got Scaramanga. Grandma, uh-huh. Grandma Tarkin, and Scaramanga. Yep. <laughs> yes. Uh, but this is the first one we have in color, and it is, Kent, you're right. It is a compilation of plots from The Mummy's Hand, The Mummy's Tomb, The Mummy's Ghost. So it's a streamlined mummy movie? Yeah. But it does it better than any of them. It does. It's super hammy. The actors know what kind of movie they're in, but it tells a better backstory of how they got there. And there is more choking in this movie. Mm. <laughs> a lot more. Yes. And it's a little more gruesome in that regard. Yeah. So does do you think this movie overwrites the previous you know forties ones? It can't because yes. in the DVD compilation of the Universal Classic Monsters, it needs to be there. But uh, you could watch either one of these, and they're both fine. I'll say this: if you're going to watch any this is the mummy one. movie, this is the one to watch. Mm, take it easy, but no, I'm not saying it's great. This like, is I gave it three point five stars. List? Yes, approved. <gasps> so this would be the hey, you want to know what's up with mummy movies? Watch, watch this one. the mummy. Watch from the mummy. Nineteen fifty nine. Hard disagree. Okay. Anyways, that's approved. my opinion. Approved. Okay. How about the curse of the mummy's tomb? Nineteen sixty four. British archaeologists and their American investor <laughs> ship an Egyptian's mummy sarcophagus to London, but someone has the amulet to revive the mummy that will then kill all those who disturbed its <laughs> tomb. Like we're pulling mummy words out of a hat. This one started off surprisingly bloody, and I was so into oh, it. Yeah. This, the Hammer films definitely did that. Yeah, it's, this is a Hammer film, of course, uh, but it, then it kind of just drops off in quality. The mummy doesn't appear until 53 minutes in, and then some guy falls down the stairs. Like, it's just not the, good. Uh, I, I can't, in my review, mm-hmm. I said, I have to give this movie a hand for oh, a few that? shocking moments. Yeah. Because they cut so many hands off in this movie. Yeah. But like you said, it takes an hour for any mummying to happen. It's, it was just a series of long, dry conversations. No one to mummy. Yeah. And, but the mummy, in this one, the mummy does more than choke people, yeah, which I appreciated. But I, I can't approve it. It wasn't good. Not approved. Blood from the Mummy's Tomb, 1971. An archaeological expedition, sorry, Zach, brings back the, to London the coffin of an Egyptian queen, queen. known for magical powers. Queen. This is a drinking game at this point. Uh, uh, I'd be dead every time you said the word archaeologist or queen or Karas. Uh, Her spirit returns in the form of a young girl and strange things start to happen. Now, this was directed by Seth Holt, who died during the filming of this movie. And they had to bring on the guy who did Curse of the Mummy's Tomb. Uh, Zach, this one's spicy. This one's 80s PG, but it's 1971. Uh, I started this one. I watched the whole thing. And then two days later, because I'm watching so many of these movies, I'm like, oh, I'm going to check out Blood from the Mummy's Tomb. I was like, I guess I've seen this. It was a Thor 1 experience where I'm like, oh, I guess I've seen this. Ken, I can think of two reasons why Hammer Film Productions thought this movie would sell. Go on. Because it's prominently displayed on the poster and in the movie, but it's not that great of a horror movie. It's not. 
It, it's uh, yeah, sure. Valerie Leon is, is a beautiful woman, mm-hmm. but man, they just it's just exploitative. Yep, it's, totally it's terrible. And they also like they had this. I swear they had one latex appliance that was like a throat ripped out, right? And they put it on everyone and yeah, covered totally. it with blood, like thousands of times in the movie that you see someone with like their throat quote unquote ripped out, mm-hmm. and, but they're breathing, <laughs> like their body's sitting there, and they're like, <sighs> and I'm like, they're not dead. <laughs> This was a dumb movie. I did Real not like dumb. it. Not approved. This is the first film. Oh, no. Pharaoh's Curse was the first. This is the second film that doesn't have the word mummy in the title. The Awakening. Oh, it's Robin Williams and no, Robert De Niro. No, that's, that's Awakenings. It's, a, it's uh, Awakenings. Uh, this one is an archaeologist discovers his... <laughs> no, 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 no. No, wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. An archaeologist discovers that his daughter is possessed by the spirit of an Egyptian Possession queen. Possession. Queen. To save mankind, he must destroy her. Guess who stars in this one, Zach? <laughs> the same people as everything else? Charlton Heston. What? And, and Ian McDermott. Emperor Dear Palpatine. And, and guess what? It's not good. Aww. And Stephanie Zimbalist from, uh, remember her from Remington Steel? No. Oh, the director, Steel. the director of this one is Mike Newell, who did Four Weddings and a Funeral and Harry Potter and the Goblet what? of Fire. New Newell, yeah. Yeah. So this one gets uh, a little weird. But this right. is a travelogue of Egypt. Like yeah. this is a boring someone showing their footage from their vacation in Egypt movie. Mm-hmm. It is, and and the acting, oh, it's so hammy. Yeah, so overacting, like annoyingly so. I really not approved. Uh, this one was so boring and so awful. And I wanted to love it because I'm like, oh, Charlton Heston. Well, camp. this one. Here we go. Okay, so like the last one, Blood from the Mummies Two, is rated PG, mm-hmm. which probably should have been more than that. Right. This one is rated R, but not really. Right. It's rated R because of one scene where there's a, a an accident at the uh, crypt or the tomb. No, it's it's within the in the delivery room with a baby, uh. and it's it's disturbing enough where I'm like, that's why I got it rated. Okay. Because other than that, it's pretty yeah, fine. It is. But yeah, but don't watch it. It's stupid. Really bad. 1982 is the year that features the film Tron. But also, more importantly, it features Time Walker. I'm not going to give the synopsis because it ruins the no, end of the movie. No, give the synopsis. No, I can't. So, Zach, here's the thing. In this movie, this one is totally 80s camp. And I start watching it and I go, oh, finally, a different kind of movie because it's awesome. Because it is it's, different. It's an 80s college campus. And there's all spoiler these... Spoiler alert, five, six, seven, yeah, eight. Yeah, spoiler alert for the whole movie. An alien buried in King Tut's no, tomb Joel, terrorizes the college Joel, campus. Joel, Joel, Joel. So they, these people steal amulets, and the, so the zombie mummy kills everybody who stole the amulet. And it doesn't show the death, it just kind of shows the perspective mm. of the mummy, right? Okay. And there's at a the green end, filter over his face. At the end, the, you find out that the mummy is an alien, and here's the best part. It ends on To Be Continued. From and what I understand, this was supposed to be a TV series that they then remarketed it into a movie. But this this is laughable. He's getting bad. beamed up to space, and it says with the <laughs> professor and no, the a, a student and his girlfriend, and it says to be continued. This is Left okay. forever. Here's the thing: no time walker two. The problem with this movie is not the premise because it's actually interesting, especially after watching all those similar movies. I went, whoa, this is different, but it's the acting. It's so the acting bad. is terrible. And I found out too late that this was a Mystery Science Theater episode. Oh, man. Episode 405, I believe it is. Like, it's called Being on Another Planet. Oh, I'm going to rewatch that. I did. And? This is the only movie on, on our list that I watched watching? twice. It's a pretty funny Mystery Science uh, Theater okay. episode, but it's still a bad movie. Because I loved the movie for what it was because it felt different, but it's not approved. It's not a good movie. No. So you have not approved any of the 80s ones or no. the 70s one. Mm-mm. Or the 60s one. No. We haven't approved a mummy movie since 1959. 
Let's Sounds see if the right. next one will do it. Blech. Welcome to the 90s with Under Wraps. 97. Three curious teenagers and one very confused mummy collaborate through some risky adventures with a race against time to reunite the mummy with its lover from 4,500 years ago. Zach, tell us about Under Wraps. All by myself. <laughs> That's a song in it. Um, this is Bill Foggerbocky. Uh, Dauber on yeah, Coach yeah, yeah. or Patrick Starr mm-hmm. as the mummy. So here's the funny thing is I was watching this movie and I was like, oh, it's the guy from Coach. I, I know him. And it wasn't. He actually plays dual roles in this. Yeah, yeah he's the, mummy the boyfriend. Is, yeah, the, the, the future stepdad. Oh, yeah, whatever. Boyfriend. But then it was one part the mummy. He made some noise and I went, that's the guy from SpongeBob. So you just pieced together that Dauber <laughs> is Patrick? I may have just pieced that together. Oh, wow. Today I learned. No, this yeah. is Patrick. Zach, do you love this movie? I loved this movie. As when a kid. did you see it? The day it premiered. <laughs> this was 1997. This was Disney the Channel first original movie. Disney Channel original yeah. movie. <gasps> see, I with the Disney. I watched a lot of them, okay. but for me, which is funny now because I don't like Halloween movies. Yeah. The Halloween Disney Channel movies were okay. my favorite. Yeah, and so they, they were must see television for me. I've seen this one it probably a dozen times. So when we were talking about doing this episode about mummies uh-huh. and we talked about the movies, you brought up Under Wraps and I rolled my eyes because I thought I hated this movie. I was not thinking of this movie. What were you thinking of? I was thinking of Don't Look Under the Bed. Oh, is, really? Not okay. a Disney movie. And I hate that movie. Yeah. But this one, not scary at all. But this is Well, fun. it's a comedy. It's all about hiding. Funny. It's one of those like, we got to hide the mummy from the mob that's trying to get it. Yeah. Won't, he wears sunglasses. Yeah. <laughs> no up in 70s know. clothes. Yeah. It actually has some genuinely scary moments at the beginning of the movie. What? Like a Disney Channel movie. You know when they do the fake movie and there's someone coming through the oh, kitchen? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. There's that. Um, I, I, when I started watching, I'm like, wow, this is really low quality movie. But it's, and I it's found a, out it's a movie within there, a movie. There's yeah. kids getting involved in the CD mob dealings. Like it's yeah. a total nineties movie. Yeah. I watched this a week ago for the first time. Yeah. So it's not for me, but I really appreciate it for what it is. So I'm sure. giving it approval. Yeah, imagine if you saw it when you were seven. Totally. It's fun. Yeah. This introduces the concept of mummies in a safe and silly environment. I approve this one to be <laughs> uh clean sweep, Zach. Oh, I approve this, it, obviously. This, yeah. might, this I, may be the second best mummy movie on this I've list. only seen three movies on this Who list. Who do you I think really you are? <laughs> second best. Zach, I please read us the name of the next movie. 1999's The Mummy starring Brendan Fraser. And In Rachel this Vines. cinematic masterpiece, an archaeological <laughs> dig in the ancient city of Hominoptera, an American serving in the French Foreign Legion accidentally awakens a mummy who begins to wreak havoc as he searches for the reincarnation of his long-lost love. Peak Rachel Vice. Peak Brendan Fraser. Peak Brendan Fraser, excuse me. George of the Jungle just called. Encino Man wants to have a talk with you. I've seen his hair in the mummy. I have some school ties to take up with you. (laughs) This is absolutely peak Brendan Fraser. No question. Okay, but it is because because of George of the Jungle that Brendan Fraser got this job. They offered the role to Tom Cruise. And they offered, what? They, they offered the role to Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, but they weren't interested or couldn't fit in their schedules. And then they were impressed with George of the Jungle's box office and said, hey, Brendan Fraser. Or his natural charisma. You could be in this movie. So good in this movie. This is the best mummy movie out there. Really? Hands down. Disagree. How? When, when I first saw this. <laughs> How could Under Wraps Let be me better? Guess. Hold on. Can I fill in the blank? Please. You thought it was supposed to be a horror movie. Yep. And you got so disappointed that it's an, an awesome, fun adventure comedy. Uh, Joel, have any of these movies been horror movies? No, I would they, say the 1959 trying. one tries. They're, they're horror movies. Mm. But this was one where I went into it, like when I first went into it. And by the way, I found this out. This is a weird, fun fact that <laughs> has nothing to do with anything. Okay. The first mummy, this mummy movie, 1999's mummy movie, came out just before I left for my religious mission. Okay. 
the next Mummy movie came out shortly before I came home. My perfect, mission is framed by Mummy movies. Perfect bookends with the Scorpion King wrapping it up. No. <laughs> but no, I was highly disappointed the first time I saw it. Watching it years later and knowing what it is, I've softened a bit. I would have thought this being a PG-13 adventure movie would have been right up your alley at that I time. I don't like the goofy George of the Jungle energy Brendan Fraser brings to this role. I don't like the one-liners. I don't like how... Every, Ken, you all the time get after MCU movies for totally. undercutting no, any sort of tension. This would be an origin of the MCU based this on is, its humor. Any actual tension is immediately undercut by humor. But, every single but, time. But the, the curse in this movie literally kills the crew. Like the crew of these like handsome actors all die in horrible ways. Yeah. I thought it was gruesome. But think about awesome. this movie starring Tom Cruise. It would be overly serious. We'll get there. And, and, the, <laughs> the, and the, the cheesiness is kind of what makes this work. Yeah, I think so That's too. why it's fun. Yeah, because he's a swashbuckler. This is low-tier Indiana Jones for him. Yeah. This is this is uh, Brendan Fraser in his Errol Flynn era. This is such a cool movie. Okay, I, I can't believe you're defending it like this, Kent. Yeah. Double. No, total this verbal. is Cinematic not your masterpiece. Movie. What was the last time you watched this? Uh, two days ago. Uh, I want to rewatch it. Previous to that, it was like 20 years ago. So you're ago. giving it approval. Oh, yeah. <gasps> Joel. Joseph. I'm giving it approval as well. Oh. Barely. Zach, like I, I said, give it approval too. So we, my, we got My stance has softened on this movie, but I still watched it and went, no. Is I it still, the CG? Do you judge no, it for the CG? Look, the CG is pretty good. Actually. I think the mummy parts are good. It really is Brendan Fraser. I don't You don't like, like when the mummy yells at him and then he yells back? No. And I don't like when he's like, look at what I got. And he has a cat. Like... The way he says it, I'm just like, no, you don't say, looky what I got. But Joel, Rachel Feist. Rachel Feist is fine. Looks like I have all the horses. Looks like you're on the wrong side of the river. Come on. It's fun. <laughs> That's what not you Okay. That leads us into 2001's The Mummy Returns, subtitled Rachel Weisz Finds Eyeliner. <laughs> is that yeah. what a subtitle? I did. I, when, when I was a child. The first one. All right. So yeah. here. When yeah. I was a child, I, for, I, I thought she was recast because she looks so different in this movie because of their eyeliner. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> The mummified body of Imhotep is shipped to a museum in London where he once again wakes and begins his campaign of rage and horror. But don't worry, there's a spunky kid. There's a spunky kid now. Stop, stop it. Don't remind there's, us. The, okay. listen, there's more Joel, spunky listen, kids. Joel, can, we, Joel. can we cut out the maggots from this steak? Because there's steak here, but there's lots of maggots in I saw there. this. I was 11 years old. Longest runtime of any movie on our list, 129 minutes. And this also gave us Dwayne The Rock Johnson in his first acting debut. Film acting debut. Yeah, Black Adam right there. <laughs> <laughs> Jumanji's good. Live action Maui. Yeah. Uh, so you didn't like the first one. You barely gave it approval. Zach, how do you feel about this one? I mean, I still like this one, yeah. but I have watched it uh, within the last five years. It, I mean, it's, it's not amazing. I do think more incorporation of the Medjai. I think that is pretty cool. Yeah. And I like the chemistry, of course, but between they, Jonathan, they the brother. Yeah. He's, he's in it more. He he should have been the comic relief. Yeah, I would have accepted him as the comic relief if everyone Bumbling else brother. wasn't trying to be funny. Yeah, but this is one where they they bumped up the budget and they really bumped up the CGI mm -hmm. and it does not age no. well. You don't like that dirigible? No. <laughs> oh my gosh! I, I, oh, I do like this movie. I haven't seen it since I saw it back then. Like 2002 is when I saw this movie. I haven't rewatched it. I liked it, and I've only rewatched the bad CG scenes, and so I can't give this a. I am not approving this one. I, I barely... The last one... This one was already on a sandy foundation based on the first movie. <laughs> I see what you did there. Thank you. But this one was even more goofy and the spunky kid... Uh, 
I hate it when movies and TV shows start throwing in the spunky kid to be like, look how cool we are. Mm -hmm. As the 11-year-old Zach didn't mind the spunky kid because he thought he was one. Oh, you were. But adult Zach's is, is I don't really care for this one all that much. Yeah. It's okay. Rachel Weiss is good looking in it. Okay. Yes, she is. 2000. Big proof she is. We all yeah, big proof. Rachel Weiss? Rachel Weiss, yes. Mrs. Daniel Craig? Uh-huh. Cool. Uh, 2003, Bubba Hotep. When residents of their nursing home start dying of dubious causes, an aged Elvis and an African-American senior who claims to be President John F. Kennedy <laughs> discover that the perpetrator is an Egyptian mummy with murderous intentions. Now, what a weird, zany movie. This was the early 2000s when they kind of, kind of just make whatever kind of cult movies and know they'd be cult classics. Well, this one was originally written as like, it, it was a novella, but it was written for like this Elvis convention type right. thing. Yeah. And this is probably the most rated R movie on the list mm -hmm. here of all the mummy movies. But just the concept of uh, Elvis and John F. Kennedy in an, in an old age home mm -hmm. are fighting a reanimated mummy is so bizarre. Now, Zach, I don't know if you've seen this, but it's Bruce Campbell 20 years ago. Yes. So not as old as he is now. As an Elvis... Everyone says he's an Elvis impersonator, but he has a backstory of how he's actually uh, living Elvis. In he's a really Elvis. Home. Yeah. Uh, this is this is Bruce Campbell, uh, six years post Spider Man. But go on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But it, it's a, this is a Bruce Campbell movie, and it, this lives or dies on your love of cult movies with Bruce Campbell. And for uh, me, when I saw it at the time, I loved the movie. I watched it again today. So there's some ironic. Enjoyment here. Oh, totally. Oh, it's, yeah. it's totally B movie knows what it is. Yeah, it knows what it is. Like, there's this whole chase with the scarab beetle that's really funny to watch. Mm -hmm. But once again, you're like, yeah, it's zany. It's zany. It, it didn't age really well for me. I still want to give it approval just because I think Joel's not. No, I will give it a slight approval. Okay. This, this is one tip. where I, the, cons, the the trailer itself pulled me in. Uh, the the film was definitely choppy with clear play, but yeah, uh, it was entertaining. It wasn't up, uh, uproariously hilarious, no, but not. it was bizarre and entertaining, and I appreciated that. Yep, and it's better than a lot and of the other. It's movies unique. Out here. And now we mark the uh, end of the first phase of Brendan Fraser's career with 2008's The Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. In the Far East, Alex O'Connell, the son of the famed mummy fighters Rick and Evie O'Connell, unearths the mummy of the first emperor of of Chin Keen. A shape-shifting entity cursed by a witch centuries ago. Mm -hmm. This is directed by Rob Cohen. Okay, so what's the name of this movie? Curse Tomb. of the Dragon Emperor? Tomb of the Dragon, Emperor. Of the Dragon okay. Emperor. Directed by Rob Cohen, who did Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, oh. and Dragonheart. The other thing for Dragon. There's a little theme there. And Fast and the Furious and Triple X. Oh, Triple X, Dragon X? Cool. Yes. Uh, but this has Brendan Fraser and Jet Li. This is when they were trying to make Jet Li into the biggest star ever, and he yeah. just, he's no Jackie Chan. No. I'll say that. Michelle Yeoh is in this one. Yeah. She's and then cool. Maria Bello. Maria Bello replacing Rachel Weisz. Doesn't work. Why didn't Rachel Weisz come back? She said there were problems with the script, and she had a new baby. Yeah. So... I like the concept of going back to adventure to like relive, relive your glory days, but that plucky son, that plucky kid became an adult and got a, a love story, and I hated that. And honestly, the uh, overdone effects in this movie oh, wow. drag everything back. Yeah, the effects are bad. Um, Brendan Fraser, by this point in real life, was just broken. Yeah. His, he had, yeah. He, his body just couldn't do this oh, anymore. Oh, I forgot right. to mention, he literally, during the hanging scene in the first Mummy movie, it went wrong, and he literally passed out and had to be resuscitated. Oh, yeah. He geez. almost died during the hanging scene in the first Mummy. Yeah. So, but it, I, I just feel like he really didn't want to be there. No. I feel like Maria Bello, I have nothing against Maria Bello, but she, replacing Rachel Weisz. Didn't feel right. Didn't, it, it, it didn't work. No, Fraser's even said, like, he, he literally did this movie to make child support payments. Mm. Like, and then he Jet didn't Lee, want to be here. Jet Li is there. Yeah for part of it, but then he's mostly just CGI. Right. Like, I 
don't think he was even there on the set most of the time. So approved? <laughs> no? No. It's 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 a one action sequence after the other. It's loud and dull. It, it It's the white noise of one dimensional characters right. in, in a bunch of action sequences. Yep. So no, not approved. Second chance for Tom Cruise here with 2017's The Mummy. An ancient Egyptian princess is awakened from her crypt up beneath the desert, bringing with her malevolence grown over millennia and terrors that defy human comprehension. The beginning of, of the, the dark, dark, universe. Universe. dark universe. Still, still. I, I, I know we, we had a whole review Did about you rewatch this, this? Uh, I didn't actually. I, did I was today. going to, but I ran out of time. Yeah. How, how, okay, so we reviewed it on Bacon Cells, a bacon bit already. Yep. Uh, I liked it then, and I like it now. I am a an apologist for the mummy. Yes, they they bit bit off more than they could chew with the dark universe and bringing Russell Crowe in as Doctor Jekyll. That was the worst part for me. It was the worst part. But they brought in this princess played by Sophia Patel, who I love in every single movie. Right. But she was trying to reawaken Set, who is essentially the devil, and I like that aspect. And she was trying to make Tom Cruise into Set, and so it felt different than like a, a, a shuffling zombie looking for his princess uh, bride, essentially. Yeah. And it was had a lot of dumb action scenes, but I actually thought it was kind of funny so funny? It's, it's not good but this is like a b minus approval for me are you you're approving it yeah see and i can't approve it i know i don't i don't think it's as bad as everyone makes oh, it I out thought you to did be. for some reason no no i don't think it's as bad as everyone makes it out to be and i don't i still don't fully understand why this single-handedly killed the entire dark universe i'm like why not give it another movie and see if right. that sticks like yeah this didn't feel like such a big flop to me that it should have done that yeah that there's there's no reason you should make the wasn't there like an angelina jolie bride of frankenstein yeah thing? something like that or at it's least like the johnny Depp invisible man right? yeah, yeah. Uh, javier bardem was gonna be wolfman uh, werewolf I think creature one yeah. of those Anyway, it didn't yeah. happen, and it's because of this movie, and I'm sorry I can't give it an approval. Okay. Zach, what do you think? Uh, we only I, I've never seen this one. Okay, so not I, approved. I, I might check it out. I'm a Tom Cruise fan now. It's it's different because he's playing it very funny, but it's not Edge of Tomorrow funny. It's mm. it's almost like the mm. script is not good enough to justify him being that, well, trying to be that funny. Apparently, he was like, people called him, quote unquote, the real director of this film. Like they said, yeah. he micromanaged everything. I could see that. And I... I feel like that may have been the, fall, the downfall of the movie is that instead of trying to be a good mummy movie, it became a Tom Cruise vehicle. Yeah, I think you're right. And mm. it didn't gel. Mm -hmm. uh, before we get to our last one, point of order. Um, what is 2006's Night at the Museum not doing here? Side character mummy. We, we, it's we, a big deal. It's, the whole plot is driven around a, a mummy's artifact. It is, but at the You're same time, right? So it's not Approved. a horror movie. It's not a horror movie. Either. Approved. It's not a horror movie, but it is a mummy movie. Also, I watched a movie called The Pyramid, which is a found footage, a quote unquote found footage movie. What? It came out in 2014. Why it's you it's horrible. I just found it the other day, yeah. and it's not worth adding. It's not approved. Well, and like there's other movies like, like you said, Hotel Transylvania or Mad Monster Party or uh, Monster Squad. Monster Squad, which you like talk about all every these, show. but the mummy's never the main character because they're not interesting to be the main yeah. character. But Night Museum is approved. Uh, yeah, it's the start of Rami Malek, man. Oh, okay. I take it back. I'll take it back. <laughs> <laughs> okay, finally, we have 2021's Under Wraps. This is the Disney remake Plus. of the Disney original. Disney original if movie. you look for Under Wraps on Disney+, Plus, this and its sequel are the ones you will find. Because they do not have the 90s one on no. there. You have to YouTube does, though. YouTube does. If you look at that, it's it. Yeah. Uh, so this one, uh, this one was directed by Alex Zam, who did uh, Inspector Gadget 2. Beverly Hills oh, Chihuahua, the French Twitter. two, <laughs> Jingle All the Way, two, 
Put that cookie down. The second one. But also, he he did direct a Christmas Prince and a Royal Christmas, which we watched for our Hallmark. Oh show. man, so that's, this this is the level. But of, not the third one in that series. <laughs> Apparently not. Oh, he did Chairman of the Board with Carrot Top too. Oh, why? B O R E D. So this yeah. is the exact same movie. Yeah. As the 1997 with more annoying teens. Oh my gosh. The one kid oh, was oh. doing this quasi Steve Urkel impersonation. What was that? I want to win the purple-eyed panda. The whole time when he's talking like this, I'm like, I can't stand your voice, and man. And here's the thing, Zach. Same story. Same Same bumbling story. zombie. Yeah. Same disguises. That whole thing. The mob is actually more involved in this one than the previous one. Yeah. I, um, have, I haven't seen this. Well, I, yeah. I haven't sat down and watched this one. It was on in the background but, last year. Yeah. yeah. So I've seen you know bits and pieces of it. And every time I looked at it, I was like, oh, yeah, that's in the other one. But you just think of the, the bigness and the loudness of Disney Channel original movies at this point, And that's everything that goes into this remake. Everyone is the smartest kid in the room. Right. And it drives me nuts. There were some parts I liked about this. I didn't hate it. I thought I was going to hate it. I hated it. I didn't hate it. But if I'm going to choose a, a Disney mummy movie to watch with my kids... You I'm, want the more grounded one. I'm going to watch 1997's <laughs> yeah. Under Wraps. The second best mummy movie of all time. I, didn't say, I said probably. <laughs> I think maybe the mummy's... Based on... Hand. From what I've heard from you, that Under Wraps might be your third. Yeah. <laughs> It might be. And I think it might be your third, too, Ken. It might be. <laughs> <laughs> Which is weird to think about. Okay. But you put, the Joel, you put under wraps over Brendan Fraser's The Mummy. Ridiculous. Possibly. No, okay, okay. I did that, obviously, just to get under your skin. Okay. And it but worked. it's also, working. But I don't really like, I really don't like the goofy undercutting of every single ounce of tension that is starting to build. Sure. And whereas under wraps is just silly the whole time. So it's forgivable. Mm -hmm. How many movies did we go over and how many did we approve? With a total of 19 movies. 20 if we include Night at Museum. Which, well, two. if we do, two. then that throws everything off. With yeah. the 19 discussed, you gave approval to six. That's pretty good. Or That's more than I thought you we gave would. approval to seven when we talked to 20 movies if yeah. we include Night at the Museum, whose plot is entirely centered around a tablet it, from a... Uh, and, and let's a be moment. honest, half of those approvals were medium approvals. Yeah, that yeah would, there's no wholehearted approval here, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, that was the mummy. Wait, the mummy. The, the, the mummy. <laughs> Wait, was Karis in that one in his lost love? Karis. Were there archaeologists? Yeah. Okay. For sure. Yeah. You approved the mummy, the mummy, the mummy. Under wraps. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't get creative with their names. Baba Hotep and Abbott and Costello meet the mummy. Okay. <laughs> Wonderful. Wait, wait. No, which mummies do we approve when you say the mummy, the mummy? 1932, mummy? 1959, and 1999. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> There's like, 2017. There's, like, there's no way you would. Yeah. <laughs> there's no way we did all those in a row, but then, okay, it makes sense now. <laughs> Hold on. There are, four, there are four movies on this list just called The Mummy. Uh huh. Oh, yes, originality. That shows how original that's these are. That's genre. Back from the dead. Oh, boy. So there we go. All right, guys. To wrap things up, <laughs> <laughs> we want to hear from you, the listener. Are you a fan of mummy movies? Are you appalled with our, our take on how dry these movies Ooh. are? Or do you think that we. Or do you agree with us? Are, are you uh, joining us in this tomb of, of blandness? Let us know on Facebook. Let us know on Instagram. Let us know on Twitter. Uh, your general feelings about mummies, whether they be about the movies or about the history we talked about too. And how, how's your stomach? Now, before we go, we'd like to thank some patrons. So from the I Am The Listener category, we have Taylor Sanderson, Sir and Madam Hicks, Scott Sprague, Ryan and Marley, Rocky and Steph, Lady Terry A. Finley, Juice the Cooler King Swallow, Jennifer Kilkowski, Dave Kelly, Casey Cummings, Briggs is off to preach the good word, Angela Plotz, Andrew vs. Evil Dead, and Adam and Rachel Crump. 
And from the Bacon Council, we have the one, the only, Chris Anderson, Stephen, everyone's favorite, Ross, Star Wars expert, Kyler, our favorite couple, the Madsons, Nicole DeKale, the other Brit, Johnny English, Her Royal Highness, Jessica Terry, Glowclin Daniel, Debbie Foster, and Beaker. Thank you, patrons. You are the bog to our bodies. <laughs> <laughs> But if you want to find me, you can find There's me so at, well 70, at 76 Joel on Twitter, or you can find me performing with Quickwits. They perform at the Midville Performing Arts Center. For more details, go to qwcomedy.com or go to the Quickwits Facebook page. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Kenny3DD. You can read my movie reviews at showtimeshowdown.com. If you'd like to connect with me, you can do so on Twitter and Instagram at Tumbling Mustard. But more importantly, make sure you're following Bacon Sale. Please like that Facebook page and follow us at Bacon Sale on Twitter and Instagram. After you've done that, go to tpublic.com slash bacon sale where you can get yourself some merch. And then if you like what's going on here and you want to support us further, visit patreon.com slash bacon sale where you can get all sorts of fun behind the scenes. Hey, I put up a, a, a video that I've been trying to make for three months. <laughs> it's great. Patreon.com slash bacon sale. So until next time, are you my mummy? <clears throat> I got wrapped in toilet, toilet paper, paper today. Babe, 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 babe. So you prefer a blue collar unwrapped mummy? Core, 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 core. Core. <laughs> it's toilet paper. <laughs> toilet paper's happening. Ew. Ew. Yeah, ew. Why would you eat mummy powder? Intentional or accidental zombies? See, <laughs> at the pearly gates, they're like, who is David after dentist? <laughs> Grave robbing. Yay. Do Long time you see him. There are a lot of other uh, accidental zombies. Yes. Accidentally a uh, mummy. Like Artex. We'll find him as a bog body. <laughs> exactly right. Oh, this is hoping a mummy curse. Ah! <laughs> uh, spontaneous zombies are here. Little lobotomies. It sounds like little Einsteins. <laughs> little lobotomy. <laughs> hey, we finished your Joel jerky. Here you go. Hey, you guys got the giant Tupperware? <laughs> You can accidentally get summoned. I just think stealing is bad. You get more mummy out of this. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, the worst comes down with hey. more mummy for your dollar. Mo mummy, mo problems. <laughs> These are short movies. They are. But they're the longest short movies you're ever going to watch. <laughs> Archaeology. To put some respect on Count Dooku's name. Peak Rachel Vice. Peak Brendan Fraser. Peak Brendan Fraser, excuse me. George of the Jungle just called. No, Encino Man wants to have uh, a talk no. with you. Seen his hair in the mummy. Peak. I have some school ties to take up with you. <laughs> this is Rachel Vice finds eyeliner. Take it again from the top. Is that helping? Is that, that's the sound effect from Time Walker. Just These killed. are accidental, spontaneous zombies. Or, or, <laughs> Oh, now we're just spontaneous, spontaneous zombies. zombies. I can't. It's the sequel to Accidental Zombies. <laughs> yeah. uh, they just show up. Yeah. Oh, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs>